Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God I just wanted to share with you for a few moments and then in honor of Scotland because we asked what their favorite memory was and their leadership and the kids said their favorite memory was a thing we call the prayer tunnel and they actually approached us and said will you do a prayer tunnel before you freak out and take off to the exits um, what a prayer tunnel is is you have two lines of people and somebody walks through it and it's just prayer over you just God touch this person God do something in this person's life for them specifically we we're praying for identity because if you're a teenager you struggle in that God, just let them walk in the full measure of who they are, Ephesians 2, all of Romans, everything about the Bible. Let them understand that they're children of God and they're in the family. So at the end of this service, we're going to do that. If you're freaking out like Shelby and you don't want to be touched, that's okay. That's a thing. We understand that. We don't want to make you be touched. That's probably illegal. That is illegal. <laughs> um, we're going to have a couple prayer people at the windows. They won't touch you. They'll just pray for you. If you desire not to be prayed for at all, you don't have to do that at all. Is that, can we just make an agreement? All right. All right. So, Father, I just pray that for these next few moments, I remember the fourth night we were there, you spoke to me and said, this is not just a message for here. This is a message for the Sunday you get back. So it's not going to be a long message. So I pray that the words are concentrate, that they are impactful, that they reach to the depths of our beings and tug at our hearts and draw us into being more like you and conducting character like Sarah talks about that we would become more like you in conduct and in character, God. That we would not feel like we need to draw hard lines right now. God, let us not be the church that falls for that. As Facebook lights up, as CNN and Fox News lights up, help us to see that our job right now is to not draw hard lines. It's not to draw hard lines. That's, that's a fear tactic, God. We want to walk in a faith tactic. That was things like you putting yourself in positions where religious leaders were upset at you because how could you associate with them? We want to associate with them in the way that you did, Jesus. And you lead us, God. You lead us skillfully to care for people before anyone else does, 
so that they have a space in our life, at our tables, in our homes, so that we can look people in the faces and say, like Rebecca said, you have value, like Shelby said, you are important. You can't earn it, and we want to be that. We want to be that church. So today as I share, let, let the words of my mouth flow from your heart. In Jesus' name. Here was the progression of the week. Night one, we showed up. We talked about taste and see that the Lord is good. If you're a teenager, if you're a human, you need to taste and see that he's good for yourself or whatever you're living won't, won't ever be real. And that's just the reality of it. I can't tell you that a Snickers tastes good if I have not tasted it. I would just be making it up. It's the same with Jesus except for he's a much bigger Snickers. He's a humongous Snickers. The biggest Snickers you've ever seen. So we told them that night, we just, we're not here to say, you're going to taste and see. We just want to create a space to say, lift up your heart, pray a prayer. If you've never tasted and seen, he's good. Let's pray together. Let's see. Night two, we walked into what I believe is another amazingly important topic, your identity. It's got to be founded and grounded in Christ, not in yourself, not in performance, not in lack of performance. That was night two. Really good night. One of the things we, we focused on that night was replacing whatever lie had kind of ingrained itself or embedded itself in your heart. I'm stupid. I'm terrible. I won't amount to anything. I'm awesome. All of these things that aren't from him. And then replace them with the truth. You're in a family. You're a part of a new reign. You're living in a kingdom that's not even actually, it's an alien kingdom on earth. It's the kingdom of heaven. And you're now actually guests here. Like, I don't know why I just want that rabbit trail, but that's my brain. So then we talked about um, community and family. And this was really big for Scotland. This was a, it's bigger than I thought it would be because it's our church. It's family. And you're a part of a family. I don't, just because I do something dumb, not be a turner. I'm a part of the family. They walk me through it. They, they really, really landed in this night. And we're like, this is, the pastor was like, I, we can't even believe this is happening. This is not how we look at it. Night four, this is the night we're going to focus on a minute. Got to the night four. The idea was each person has a gift. Each human has been given a gift by God, and it's there. You can argue with me all day long with that. I mean, I think it'd just be a silly, I probably wouldn't even argue. I'd just be like, it's there. I just, there's something placed within you that's going to impact the world, and it's not going to be about you, but it could be abused, and you could manipulate it. You know, that's, that's real. So I started to struggle that day because I don't want to tell, I don't want to look at these kids and be like, I'm going to tell you the gift that God has put in you. I'm not that guy. That would just be lying. And so I felt like he led me in this direction that I wanted to share with you. So 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. I'm not going to read these two. I read it to them. It took me eight minutes to read it to them. Then we'd be done. Um, if you haven't read these two, you have read them. You just don't know it. 1 Corinthians 12, it's the one that talks about how we are a body, right? And as the body, each one has a gift. And in that, no one more is important than the other one. And the foot can't say to the hand, just because you're not the foot, we don't need you. And the hand can't say to the parts that are less honored that we don't need you. And, and it, it really builds this, every person has something to bring kind of thing to the conversation. It lists spiritual gifts. It lists gifts of power. It lists the five offices. It talks about prophecy, and it speaks of tongues, and it speaks of um, healing, and then it talks about evangelism, and then it talks about, and it lists all these things, and if you're anything like me, it creates this thing of, right, I want to know, know what I am. I want, I want, I'd like to know what I am. Can somebody give me like six gifts tests, and I'll figure it out, and I'll go do this, and I wanted them to know that their job is not to know what their gift is. Like, that's that's not the job. That's not your, and that's not your job today. 
Like, it's not your job to know specifically how am I going to impact the world. It's not your job to wait on that. My heart when I preached that night was that you would know. It's not your job to find it all out and then do it. And don't feel weight about not knowing what you do. I'll be honest with you. I really don't even know what, like, if I, if I believe God has gifted me, I'm not real specifically sure what it is. Like, I stand in front of you and speak. Thank you for listening. I mean, if it's not good, it's more on you. I, you're choosing to be here. So, but I still wouldn't be like, God is, that's my gift. I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm, so what I'm saying is I really haven't landed, but I've definitely been active. I've definitely been active in the process of the ministry and the gospel to the world and our call to take Jesus to everyone. I've, I've not waited, I'm, and I'm excited about not just this, but sitting with you one-on-one. And so 1 Corinthians 13 talks about a more excellent way. Everybody say a more excellent way. God, that was like chantish. Kool-Aid is under your seats. One sip at a time. So it talks about these gifts, which are beautiful and the church needs. And then it says, but here's a more excellent way. And the gist of 13, I'm going to read you a passage in a minute, okay? The gist of 13 is the gifts actually are secondarily important in relation to these things. How well do you love one another? In fact, it says that if you're doing the gifts without that, stop doing them immediately. My heart broke when I read this there. And as I thought about our churches, that we just love to follow people who have a gift. We want to know, right? Like, we honor people who have the good gifts. We over-highlight people who have the good ones, right? And some of the best work being done is by people you've never heard of. And some of the worst work being done is by people you've heard of. It's because 1 Corinthians 13 is more important than we want it to be. And, and for you guys and for this church, I, I just want to applaud you first because I think we're on our way there. I don't think I'm the most important person in this room. If you know your gift, doesn't mean you're the most important person in this room. Your gift, and this is what I shared with them, it's not your gift. It's in you as a gift. Does that make sense? It's what you give as a gift, and it doesn't have to be received. So if you're shaking a gift in front of somebody and you're like, you will receive this, you're not really, nobody's going to receive that, right? So the more excellent way, and then I started to kind of land in what God was trying to say at this. And I started thinking about humility and how, man, America needs humility right now. We really need some humility. We're building good fences. We want to set some dividers. We want to draw some lines. But man, have we even listened? Have we sat and just listened? Like just that, just that much. Listen to somebody you disagree with. And I started thinking about Luke chapter 14, which I'm going to read you in a minute. And I started noticing the pastor of this church, which I'll never forget this guy. Humility is tricky, though. Um, some of the commentaries I read, I do that every week. I just read a lot of commentaries. And uh, there's a story in one of them about this guy that was a principal, and he was known as like this really humble guy. And it talked about how one time he was getting on stage, and he had formed such a reputation of like being humble that people started to cheer for him. So he was getting on stage, and people started to cheer for him. And he stopped and got off the stage and, was, and he started cheering. Because he literally, he thought there was somebody else coming on stage that he should be cheering for. And so he, they, it was like this awkward moment where nobody's cheering for nobody. <laughs> and, and he's like, and they're like, you got to go speak. <laughs> and um, to me, that's a picture. Like, you, you can fake it, though. Like, I'm just 
transparent with you. Historically, I've probably been pretty good at false humility. I'm just trying to be honest with you because I don't want to be that. I want to, I want to actually be humble. And I don't, I don't know that I want you all to pray for humility because in biblical text, when you do that, you die. So, so there's that. But I think we, we, have, we have a lifeline in Luke 14. We have a lifeline to see what he's trying to express to his disciples, to us. And I'm going to read you this passage really quick. You can pull up Luke chapter 14, verses 7 through 14. I'm going to read it to you from here, and you guys can follow along there. Now, Jesus is, he's gone to a place with Pharisees, and of course they're trying to trick him and trap him like they always do. He doesn't avoid the situation because of that. He immerses himself in it. He uses wisdom. He's intelligent. He's human. He's God. He's there. He's had some conversations with them, and then it goes like this. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this man your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take a seat of less importance. But when you are invited, take the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then Jesus said to the host, when you give, this, this is even deeper, right? Because we'll do that in front of people we know, you know, because you, you guys know me. But then he takes it even deeper for them. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers and your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and give you, and you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, although they cannot repay you. Crazy, crazy amount of leadership crammed into that. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So why am I reading this to you? About a day into being there, I noticed there were two people cleaning the bathrooms. I didn't know them well yet, and so I started to talk to them. I was saying, thanks for cleaning. I found out it was the pastor and his wife, the pastors of the church, cleaning the toilets. They walk in, and they're cleaning the toilets. Have you guys have never been to a camp on the dude hall? It's, imagine hell, and then like, if hell was booked, it's, it's what happens. It's like, hell's, there's no vacancy, but you can live here. A dude hall. And they're in there, cleaning it, and scrubbing the toilets. And I started thinking about this passage, and I was like, God, what are you trying to say? You know, like, what are you trying to say to me? We all want to be great, right? Like, I remember when I started in ministry, like I was looking for my niche, like show me what to do, show me what to do, passing all of these opportunities by that I could do something, right? I saw it in this church better than I've seen it in any American church I've ever seen. The pastor of the church and his wife are cleaning the toilets from teenage boys, and I knew it. If you walk the path of Jesus and you live this passage, you don't have to worry about your gift. You don't have to stress about it. You don't have to take 72 tests. If you insert yourself where there is a need, specifically if it's the need that nobody wants to do, he's going to take care of you. And your gift will surface at the right time. If it surfaces too early, you're going to take credit for it. We don't know how to give Jesus credit. We think we do, 
Wait till everyone starts clapping for you. Because the gifts of Jesus are beautiful. And they are totally authored by Him. And we will totally overtake every bit of credit from those unless there is humility. But remember, it's not that we pray for humility. He gives us a path to humility. Where in your life are the lowest places? Where in your household, your family, your city, your church are the lowest places? Are those places off limits to you? Are there places you just won't serve at because I'm just not doing that? I'm not doing that. There's poo-poo on the walls in there. There's literal poo-poo on the walls of this camp. Just for you guys to know that. And it didn't smell like roses. Are there places, right? Like, I think the Lord is looking for people who will clean toilets. And then in due season, he will show you how you can be potent. And it'll be at a moment where you don't capitalize on him. And you can be standing off the stage going, who are we clapping for? This, there's nobody there. Well, Jesus is there. Jesus bomb right there. <laughs> so that's my hope for us as we look at our city, we look at CNN, Fox News, we look at our church, we look at the people in this room, we look at what's happening here. What are we not willing to do? That's what we do. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, I will take off my God clothes, I will derobe myself, and I will insert myself into humanity, which is a stinking mess. And I will come down and not only insert myself, I will go to the lowest places to people I created and they will talk down to me and even kill me. And I will sit in that seat. And I will, more, I will sit as, as long as it takes until death. And because of that, because of that, we have this. So don't fall for the lie. Listen, don't fall for the lie. Listen, and this is scripture, and that's the best thing the enemy does is he misconstrues, misconstrues scripture, that you are only the head and not the tail. Because that's a beautiful thing to think, but if it means that, that y'all are the tail, that's straight from the pit of hell. Because we're here to serve, and we serve with our lives in the places no one else wants to go with the people no one wants to be with. So maybe God's called you to preach. Maybe he's called you to be a missionary to Ghana or Scotland. Maybe you're the world's next best worship leader. I would really love to see you love people who are broken. I'd really love to see you insert yourself into something. I had a youth leader at one point. I asked her if she would come serve at something. She said, no, I'm, I just pray through what I'm going to serve at. And this is not one of the things I'm going to serve at. But she would show up at like parties and she'd be like, what's going on, guys? I'm here to serve. We need people who will say yes. And, and honestly, like our church, we are a non-abusive church and fight to not abuse. So we need you. We need you to serve. Your family needs you to serve, right? Your city needs you to serve. There are these tables. Imagine every place in your life, there's a table. Where can you sit at the lowest space? And don't show up demanding to sit at the front because somebody will walk up and say, excuse me, Josh, I need you to sit down here. And I'll be like, okie dokie. <laughs> I'm going to sit here. So, so let's do this. And I, in Scotland for me, I'll never forget the way their community was. Every person, it's crazy. The church's main event for the year is this camp. And every person from the church shows up and they all have a role. Somebody's cooking every day. Somebody's cleaning every day. Somebody's talking to people. Every person had a role. It was like this beautiful, it, it didn't work because our team was awesome. And our team was awesome. 
Anybody in this room, eight of you, could have showed up and it would have been a good camp. They had the heart of Jesus for those teens. I'm praying that our heart for Jesus would, would be that in this city. Does that make sense? So let the Lord reach his hand into your heart. Let the Lord say to you, here's where I'm leading you. Don't just demand a seat. Don't just demand, what are you going to do with my life? I gave you my life. What am I supposed to do now? Does that make sense? This is kind of a hard message, but I want you guys to understand this is how I want our whole church to live. This is how we want to serve. And so today I'm going to have a prayer. I'm going to do a prayer first with you guys about relieving tension and wanting to know what you're supposed to do with your life. So if you do me a favor, if you'll just close your eyes. Lord, I just, I know the tension I felt for so many years. It feels so big. You give your life to Christ, you want, and you, just, you want to do what you're supposed to do, and there's this weight. Is this the right thing? Is that the right thing? I, I ask you, in the name of Jesus, to relieve the stress related to that. I pray that you would then fill it with peace and joy and righteousness. Those three things are your kingdom. And I pray that you would give faith. I asked you to remove fear that makes us choosing, doing things for you, out of fear that something, somebody might view us a certain way. I pray that you just remove that, and then I pray you replace it with God, just a willingness. Say, Father, where can I love someone right now? That that would be how we live today, tomorrow, in our homes, in our city, in our church. How do I love someone? God, relieve people from thinking I'm more important than I am. Help people just right now to be disconnected from thinking I'm supposed to be something more than I'm supposed to be. I'll be I want to be everything that you've created me to be, and I want them to be everything you've created them to be. But I pray that you would relieve the pressure from performing in front of people, and that we would just be the family and say, what needs to happen? Where can I sit? How do I show up and, and clean toilets, God, like they did in Scotland? So that's prayer number one. Prayer number two, with your eyes closed. Where are the seats at the tables in your life right now? The beautiful thing about doing this, and I don't even know if this is inadvertent about this passage or not, when you take that seat, you're immediately able to relate to people who are sitting there. And a lot of the people sitting in those seats don't have a choice but to be there. And there's no way out of some of those seats. And so from other seats farther up the table, we cast stones and we throw comments down saying, if you just work harder, you wouldn't have to be there. And Jesus is saying, if you just read Luke 14, you would be there. And so the church has an opportunity right now, and you have an opportunity to say, I will go down there to that part of the table. And I won't tell everybody I'm aware. I'm just going down there just because I'm, I'm a good Christian. But you'll insert yourself into those places in your family in your city, in your church. Where are those seats? Where's, where's Christ beckoning? Come. Come and dine. Come and serve. Come and love. We want to be the head, and we don't want to be the tail. So, Father, I just pray that you'd give us the grace we need to do that. Those things are impossible without you. Help us to see those places, those people, those things. Help us to be with those people, places, and things. We thank you, God, that you do that. Amen? All right, so this is going to be the awkward portion for some of you. We're going to do some prayer, okay? So if you would stand to your feet. When we were leaving Scotland, we asked, what was your favorite thing? And this was, your favorite, this was their favorite thing. They asked us to do it. We wanted to ask you guys to join with this. Do you have to do it? Absolutely not. What is it? Well, it's a prayer tunnel. 
and we're not going to be doing, it's not like, what's the, what's the sports games? Uh, the tunnel, I walk through, we're not going to be like, woohoo! You stand, there's two lines, you walk through, and people will gently place their hand on your shoulder and just pray for you. And as you walk through, in Scotland, they really took advantage of it. And it took like 17 days. It, we were, it took longer than the days we were there. Every kid got prayed for for five minutes. We had to tell them afterwards, we're like, you guys actually did that the right way. We like it when you do it the wrong way, quicker. So when you're walking through it, just walk through it. People are going to pray over you, and that's great. And then if you would just really appreciate it, if no one would touch you ever, that's great too. But you know you want prayer. Over here at this window, we're going to have a couple praying. And over here at this window, we're going to have a couple praying. So here's the, here's the rules, though, okay? Here's the instructions. First row, I need you to help me get the seats pushed back a little bit. Night of Healing prayer team, if you could join me up front, up in this area, right here in this region. It's going to be awkward, so you have to deal with it. So anybody on Night of Healing prayer team? Yes, yes. Becca's going Becca's to make it better by leading some worship. And she's awesome, like I said. So sorry for second row. It's awkward. Forgive me. Before you leave the church because of this, let me take you to coffee. There'll be a prayer tunnel, coffee. So here's, here's what happens. If you would just like prayer for anything, really, we're just going to let people pray over you. And we're going to start from this end over here. Here's what we don't value. We don't value one of the people in this line making this line about them. Okay? We don't value that it becomes so loud and crazy that we're like, what just happened? We do value that we create space to let people pray for one another, and we create space for people who need prayer. So if that's you, we would love it. So we need some other people on the other line, or this is going to be like a one-off. There we go. All right. A couple more people from the prayer team. Anybody that goes to Night of Healing Prayer? Thank you, Kara. All right. Now the prayer couple's on the other sides. Now, if you, I'll just say this to you guys. Prayer team, if you feel like there's something you would like to pray a little more for someone, just put a little note in there and be like, in just a moment, I'd love to pray for you over. Does that make sense? If you do it right in the middle, it's going to be like, it's going to be weird. So, so you guys can have space in here. They're going to lead worship. It's a create space time. Father, I pray right now. I just remember seeing those kids walk through the line, and there's no magic part of this line. It's just, it's an opportunity for where two or three are gathered, it's a neat way to do that. But I just remember sensing burdens being lifted. I remember seeing kids, actually their demeanor change and feel seen. So if you're in this room and you need to feel seen, I just believe this is Jesus' way to reach down and say, I see you, I know you, I love you. If you're in this room and you're asking for burdens to be lifted, for weight that you need him to carry now, it's too heavy for you. This is your line. That's awesome. So, Father, as we start into this, I pray for a courage to come over our people who need prayer. For us to be a radical, generous community, we have to also be radically transparent in the right ways to the right people. So today as we do this, help this to be a moment where somebody tastes and see that you are good. We thank you for Scotland, and we thank you for what you're going to do here in Smyrna. In Jesus' name. At any moment, you can come for prayer. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.